when I, whenever I've had a, a very severe style meltdown, I think the only thing that has comforted me is knowing that I'm very grateful that I still have this breath because if you really look at things being completely out of your control, your breath is not really in your control. You exhale. Yeah. And you don't really <laughs> control if it comes back. Hello, everyone. I'm Abhinav Jain, and this is the Real Abhinav Audio Experience. Welcome to the Real Abhinav Audio Experience. This is your host, Abhinav Jan, and I aspire to make this podcast go beyond the surface. In this podcast, I intend to bring you insights from the topmost performers, no matter what industry they're in. We talk about how they've done things differently to grow their minds and keep their physical and mental health in shape. My mission with this podcast is to help overwhelmed individuals learn ways to reduce their depression, anxiety, and live with peace and love. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Blossom Media Studio. Thank you so much for creating and distributing my podcast and taking away literally every single thing that's involved with podcasting so I can just spend the time to talk to my guests and create great episodes. So Cheyenne, let's get into it. I think today it's very special that we got to connect because your story is very inspiring and it's not really just about inspiration. It's more about, like you said, resilience a little bit before we started. And I want to get into a lot of things here with you, starting with walk me back to what led to you going to Pakistan in 2006 where you became homeless. Um, so I am from actually Pakistan. It's a very small hometown. It's called Chang. My family is from there. My uh, father and mother both from there. We used to have a home in Chang, but in 2005, my father passed away after a very prolonged illness. How old were you? I was just 15 at that time. Wow. What a young age to be. Yeah. And um, because of his prolonged illness, he lost both his kidneys and then his heart. And because of the prolonged illness, which continued for long, uh, around three years, he had to be constantly hospitalized and um, the treatment he was undertaking was really expensive. It was something like on daily basis, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and that caused us to go under a lot of debt because he was the only earning hand at that time. And no, no, no one from my siblings was working. So we were in a lot of debt. And then what happened was because of that debt, we lost everything. All of us had to give up our education because we couldn't afford to pay for it. And we lost everything, all the property. And How everything. many siblings do you have? Um, it's a, you know, I have <laughs> a lot of siblings. It's eight. Whoa. <laughs> so hold on a second before we get too far. Your dad passes away, which I'm really sorry to hear. And I can only imagine, you know, because as a son, you want to be there for the family if that ever happens to take over. And then to realize that you also have eight other mouths to feed. And then, of course, your mom to take care of. Are you the eldest or where do you stand between these eight? I am right smack in the middle. Gotcha. Um, I have two older sisters and one older brother. Yeah. But at that time, my two older sisters were married and... My older brother, he was in UK on a student visa. So uh -huh. he was left stranded because my father couldn't pay for his education as well. And he was wow. in the middle of it. And what he started doing was that he gave up his education there. I see. And he started, he started working. And like we had to make immediate, immediate shifts uh, because of the passage of my father and so in, at my home i was the oldest one to make all the decision because my oldest brothers and sister were all at different places at that time right so i was calling all the shots and i was the one that had to deal so at that time the only thing that i um that i could imagine and that came to my mind was that my father had invested in us, in our education, and that would be the best thing for us right now. And if we give up on that, then our all must be lost because we won't be able to get anything back. 
so education is the only thing that i need to work on not only on myself but also for my siblings so i decided to go to the um, capital town which was around 5 hours drive from my hometown mm-hmm. um and i didn't have a place to live there or any support system but i decided to borrow some money from my friend and just went there to see what happens um and in a few weeks all the university exams were opening up for admissions and stuff so i went there and i went to a university and i just went to see um the administration there and i told them that i couldn't afford anything but i still want to be educated and they said that we have some scholarships open for people who really are good at their studies but they cannot pay pay the fee so if you appear in this special examination that we have mm-hmm. and you score well then we might be able to what a fortunate thing yeah and believe me that was the last day for application oh so man that's similar to my college story too i got accepted the last day when they were supposed to give the results out it was amazing so go on yeah so on the last day i applied for that scholarship and i appeared and uh, when the results came i was top of the chart for them and they offered me a 100% scholarship how did you feel in that moment because you were still young and you just gone through this tragic like point in your life and you're starting to figure out what's important again how did you feel in that first big you know so the three days leading up to that exam i didn't sleep because yeah. i i kept telling myself and i can I, i still vividly remember the feeling i just kept telling myself that this is my first chance and the last chance perhaps so like that's it there's nothing else yeah so i have to put everything into it because if i miss it there is at least for a year i don't have a shot to get into the university and i can't afford to miss a, miss a year because that's a lot of time and what would i do so i just gave my everything to it i just studied and studied and studied from whatever sources i could get i would get there was a big public un, uh, public library in the university so i right from the moment it opened 6 am in the morning till the time it closed in the night i would just sit there and study and study and study from all the books and the internet and everything so on the third day i appeared for this test and thankfully i i was able to ace it there was not a question that i didn't know <laughs> and there was a big relief so when the result came i was like in tears proper preparation prevented <laughs> yeah. poor performance you've probably heard that one that's so good i want to highlight this that you said having the ability to put it all on the line because you had you you basically chose that there was no other option for you and and then you made something happen you know like that moment of release when you probably felt like universe is all in your favor at that moment in time you know where did you yeah. go from there how did you uh, you know take that in so i uh, when that news came to me i was so jubilant and i felt so empowered and i felt that oh things are starting to happen as i wanted them to so let's keep on building that pace and from there on when i had this success what i did was i went to the business school in my university and yeah. i told them that i didn't know anything about my professional skills or anything but i want to do something because i have a full scholarship in this university which take care takes care of my education but i still have to contribute towards my family yes. so i have to work and i was just at that time i was just 16 years 17 years and i told them that i have to get start to work i have to get some work so what they started doing was they started talking to each other's families and if they because i was good at my high school and they said that i can offer different home tuitions private tuitions to to their siblings or their children so they one of them bought me a private tuition and that paid for my stay 
before that i was just staying on a park bench i was staying in a park wow i was homeless i've got a quick favor to ask of you if you've been enjoying this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could take one minute of your time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way, and I'd really, really, really appreciate it. If you've already done that, thank you again. Please share this episode with someone you know, a friend or family member. Download the episode or share the link, whatever works for you. Now let's get back to it. So, and I, all your siblings and your mom, so what was going on with them at this time? So they were back home. We had a family home, so they were not homeless uh-huh. in my hometown. They were there. But you, where you were for the schooling, didn't have a good yeah, arrangement. Yeah, I so was you away. Were, how far away were you from home? Um, so it's like 500 kilometers. Oh, wow. That's, that's a substantial amount. Yeah, you can't go there overnight. So yeah. that takes, you know, probably half the day or a whole day to get there. Yeah. So you're going through school. You have a scholarship, yet you don't have housing. Yeah. Because they, uh, the scholarship in my home, uh, like home country in Pakistan, means that your your university doesn't ask for money. They waive off all your tuition fee and everything, but they don't pay you anything. Wow. So what did you, how did it work out? Like with the kids that you knew in the class, or did you not know anybody at this time because you were just starting out? But like on the admission day. Yeah, uh, I met some people and I became friends with one of them because mm-hmm. um, he was from a middle class family as well. Uh-huh. And he used to live um, very close to the park where I used to sleep. Yeah. So he became a friend and I used to visit him in the evening. So what he did was he got to know my situation and he said that the bag that you have, you can put it here in my room and in the morning you can come and shower here. And if you don't have money, you can come and eat with me. I can pay for, for my hostel yes. um, for your meal. And that's where he started helping. But I was still shelterless. And when my tuition started, the first tuition that I got, I, I still remember it was around 10 kilometers away from where I stayed. So I had to walk 10 kilometers to that university because I couldn't pay for my transport. Man. And I had to walk back. Talk about that persistence to want to learn. I, I don't know how many people would have been like that excited to go to school after sleeping on a bench and then having to walk 10 kilometers, not having been, you know, freshly showered or had any food or money for food, man. Wow. And just to be able to sit here, like there's truly, truly a, a deeper part of life here that needs to be exposed because this isn't just yeah it's just it's not you just taking care of you this is life taking care of you somehow but having survived all that what would you say many of us could be overlooking in our life where is it just that we haven't gone through that much of a traumatic situation what do you think yeah tell me your thoughts today I am extremely grateful for going through this struggle, to be honest. If I count my blessings, I count those hard days as one of my blessings because Mm. it shook me up to my core and it totally changed my view of of life. The view uh, that most people have of their life is that we don't see small things and don't be thankful for them. Most of us just take for granted whatever we have in life. And for me, it's not like that. Even when I'm here today in Australia, I'm away from all my family. Yes. Um, I'm here alone, but those small things, because I keep myself grounded and I, I, I'm thankful for those small things. It's not a big adjustment for me coming from mid-career level to the student life again. I have adjusted very well to that because I was able to keep track of those small things in life. So I think the most important lesson that I took from that hard time is never take anything for granted. Mm. The smallest thing in your life, like meals that we have every day, that the time that we have, the even the public transport, availability of public transport, the people around you, the loved ones, 
these are so many things that you can be thankful for. Yes. And yet we are in this endless race for more, which never ends. And it creates such a pressure on us. Psychologically, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like, it always feels like you're getting squished every day, right? You're going through the cycles and it almost feels like we are, we are just chasing some sort of distraction all the time rather than at least embracing it fully. Like, you know, oftentimes now with, with technology, the way it works with us, it's so attached to our hip, right? Everything on the phone, constantly available to you. And we just forget like how simple it is. Like when you're homeless or let's say don't even have a bed to sleep in and it's dark outside, you're, you're worried about your safety at that time. You're worried about, you know, keeping yourself warm. This planet is, is vicious in that sense. You know, you, we are very weak human beings in that sense. Like our flesh Absolutely. doesn't protect us through like the harshness here. However, our mental inner dialogue is so powerful in how we experience this world that it's, it's allowed you, obviously, through your journey to push yourself to different, you know, layers and layers. And, you know, so walk me into some of those darker days where, you know, what is it there to look forward to when you don't see an end in sight, I guess? Yeah. So for five years, at least, it was like an unending trial. Like, Every day is a new struggle, a bigger struggle than yesterday. Mm. Um, Spirals. And yeah, and, and you seem to be stuck in that. I still remember when I used to walk to my tuition. Uh, it is immensely hot in my country. Like, of course, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, heat like you can never imagine. In and humid. Summers, yeah, in summers, it gets to a point where the temperature outside is 46 degrees centigrade. Rough. Yeah. And in that sun, when you walk outside, you can just pass out because of the heat. Easily pass out. So in order to protect myself from that, I used to keep a small towel or a, yes. or a piece of cloth and, and just put it in the water, dampen it and soak it and, and then put it on my head and shoulders so that when I'm walking, I don't pass out. And I remember in, in the... Evening when I was coming to the, that tuition, it was immensely hot and I got just all sweated up and everything. And when I was walking back, it was thundering and there was so much rain that I just got soaked up and I could hardly walk. And it was so like, there was so much lightning and thunder and wind. It was really hard to walk and I, there was a, a fast coming car and I could hardly see it and it passed from very close by. So I, I had a very close miss. Oh, wow. Now, at that moment, I just sat on the side of, um, on the walkway and I put my ha uh, head in my hands and I wept. I cried. I, I broke at that moment. And I looked towards the sky and I said, when is this going to be over? Mm. Like, what, what is the end? Am I even making a progress? What is happening? Yeah, feeling like, is there any point to any of this? You know, what, what, yeah. where is it going? And how yeah. old were you at yeah. that point? Um, at that point, I think I was 17 or 18. It was the very start. <sighs> but like, even when it kept on going, I just barely felt that I was making any progress. But in fact, you are making progress. It is that you are so close to the action that don't you don't see, see how yeah. far you have come. So true. Even now, how much of this is, is so like, you know, people sometimes don't recover or they say they can get traumatized. I would say this categorizes to a degree, you could have been facing some sort of traumatic 
events there, obviously, but then how do you justify them to yourself right now? Obviously, it's probably different than how you felt then. But that moment when you're starting to break down and you're, you're asking, you know, looking up at the sky and asking the universe in a sense, like, what is this all about for me? Yeah. I think that space of reflection is something that is so important for all of us because all of our problems sort of start get creating in our own narrative and our thinking. And, and then we end up in situations, obviously you are in places where I don't know how many, I would have gone home, you know what I mean? But you chose to, yeah. <laughs> you chose to not do that. No, that wasn't an option because I knew that if I decide to go back home, that I would have nothing. My siblings would have nothing. My family would have nothing. Yeah. And I just, I just uh, refused to give up because that wasn't an option. It was very clear to me that it's either me going through this trial or it is just an endless poverty cycle because I had seen so many poors in my hometown yeah. getting stuck in that cycle and never been able to come back because their children were not educated. So in my mind, I was really clear that the only thing that is going to stop and break the cycle for us and getting into that spiral is our education. Mm. And that is the most crucial thing. So I just refused to give up. That's beautiful. Tell me how, did you feel any love in your life at that moment in time when you were going through these hard moments? What was that like for you? There was, in fact. So obviously my mom was there and she was a constant source of love and inspiration for us. Um, she had been through such a lot because I could only imagine the way that she took care of my father and the yeah. way she took care of all of us. And in that very tough time, I could just imagine being her with so many kids and everything. And then we were just kids, but she, she was fully grown up. So what it must have felt to have your life partner admitted for three constant years in a hospital, just going through a struggle, life struggle. Yes. And then to see your um, children getting knocked out of school because you can't pay for their tuition fee. So like she, she was just someone who was constantly there for us and she still is. So she, uh, my mother, and then there is a very special teacher that I got from the very first semester in my university. And I was fortunate enough to have him because he had, had a very similar journey through his life. He had seen the poverty and then rose from it. He was undertaking his PhD at my university. He was also teaching us at the undergrad level. So he resonated with me very well. And he kind of like, whenever we were outside the class, he would just come to me and ask me how I was and what was going on. And if there was anything that he could help me with, and like, these are the small things that we don't think would do much for us, but yeah. he never, he, he never paid me a penny. He, he, he never bought anything for me. He never did anything material for me, but just the way that he took the time out of the class to come to me and ask if I was doing well. Yeah. Yeah. If I needed anything, just that human talk for like five minutes, he sat me down on a cup of tea and asked if I needed anything or, or was going well. Like that gave me a connection that I needed in my life at that time. I felt that I could go to someone and talk to someone and there was someone to look up to if I had trouble. It's, it's fascinating because it's, I, there's so many parallels. It's, all of our lives to a large, if you look at it from a big scale, from a universal scale, all of our lives are, individualistic in our heads and in our experiences but in a collective sense the lessons that we learn and the reflection that we have to have about our life is all in the same for everyone it's just how how much of it do you consciously see and then unconsciously control is really the the sliding scale but like here some of the things that you're mentioning is in my own life right like i i could say 
you know, you're from Pakistan, I'm from India. At one point in time, our countries were one, right? Yeah. And even though in this world that we live in, there's all this crazy things going on with, of course, the American election and all this stuff you, you think of, we forget that what's essential in life is this like energy that we can call love, I suppose, you know, like what yeah. this force that brings us all to collectively like, okay, put aside our differences and our opinions and our thoughts and just choose to like, you know, realize that, Hey, without this sun, we would all perish without the food and this water, we would all perish that, that this isn't a problem that's for one. And some don't have, everyone has, it's the, it's the thing that connects us to be human. It does. And, and, uh, we all struggle, though, through persistence and through challenges. But just to hear the, the, the dramatic sort of, not in a negative connotation, but in a sense that, like, most people don't have that kind of experience, I would say, where they've grown up into having all this shown to them at an early point in their life. Because a lot of life in the Western culture is very comfortable for the most part, right? At least in the last two decades. And... It's amazing when a little bit of influx happens, like, you know, this pandemic that happened, how some people are just not built to take on that kind of stress. And then, of course, with information overload from the media, that doesn't help. I want to hear from your perspective, having gone through the journey that you have, how you stay in your, in your headspace around sort of the global events, because I can understand from your personal journey how, you know, you've, you've been, but, you know, tell me how you deal with the external situation with things now so one of the ways to keep myself correct in my head is that i constantly use walk or running as my therapy yeah having my own moment is very very important for me so if i'm constantly in the crowd or with people yeah it really just um, just works me up so I have to have that moment where I am only with myself and I'm just processing what has gone through the entire day. That's a good, I love that. And yeah, and make sense of everything. So that is the most important thing for me. And it's not just that I, I have that moment in my room or, or my house, but I tend to take it more on the go where I can walk and, and run. And sometimes I'm angry on myself on, or on a, anything that has happened. And, sorry. So I take that anger and I use it, that energy to run. Mm. The angrier that I... Channel it yeah. into something, yeah. It's a great way to have the it The angrier that I am, it, the, the more I run. Yeah. The farther I run. You know, it's a good thing you bring that up because at a different point in my life, I was very much into bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And I was channeling a lot of anger in my life. So quick synopsis of, you know, we immigrated. So it's kind of like leaving and going on permanent vacation, right? When my, my family left for my brother's health uh, betterment, you know, here in America when we left India. I was very young and also... Came here, my father, uh, similar to kind of how you said around when I was uh, in high school, was going through some very bad health issues. He actually went blind and uh, his health started to really fast decline. So those 18 months or so, two years were really up and down. And I really had to reflect to see because, you know, my older brother is uh, disabled and we left the country where we have all of our family that, you know, we've grown up with, I suppose. And it's just the four or five of us in this house. And I had to figure out if I was going to take on the responsibility of being a man and being a man that can support family and make a lot of money to survive four or five people, you know, enough money, I'd say. And that was always something that sat on my shoulders and also knowing kind of growing up with my brother's illness and his side, I knew that at some point in time, my parents would pass and that would come on to me, which I would happily accept. However, living in a different place where you don't, you know, it's, it's not somewhere you knew and then you adopt to it, the immigrant life in a way. And uh, I'm very fortunate for a lot of things that my parents have done for us. And it's, I see a lot of the parallels. It's like, you have to kind of take the, there's no other chance option. 
but still like even now where things have gotten us in our lives, like how do you then choose to pursue greater and greater initiatives bigger than yourself? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because one of the things that I see as a theme with your work is you talk about renewable efforts, right? And I want to hear more about that from you. You know, is that a mission for you to be something bigger than yourself? Because I don't know, like, uh, I haven't really asked this either. Where are you in perspective now? Like, how are you doing? Is your family doing much better now? Like, every, you know, how are things going for you now? I guess those are the two topics I want to get into. So, yeah, thankfully, my family is doing much better. I am doing uh, a lot better than I was. I'm way ahead of where I started, thankfully. And that is because of the persistence that I had. Yes. Yeah. As I told you, I'm here on a scholarship doing my postgrad from one of the best universities in the world. Yeah. And I'm specializing in innovation and account, uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. Mm. So the reason that I chose to be on this scholarship and pursue this specialization is because I want to help the entrepreneurs back in my country and the entire ecosystem that we have. It's a very, what I should say, um, a very early stage ecosystem in Pakistan. Yes, It's not very mature. It's just building up. We are seeing a lot of entrepreneurs emerging from the Pakistan because one thing about Pakistan is that it has around 66% population in that 15 to 35 years degree. Oh, a lot of young. So a lot of young people. Same thing, I think, in India. It's very similar to demographic. There. Yeah. So um, what is happening is that our employment sector just cannot produce enough opportunities for them to all have jobs. Right. So And, and all of them are starting to recognize that. In return, what they are doing is that they're becoming more risk-taking and and they're trying to explore their options and they're coming up with uh, ways to solve their problems, which is absolutely a phenomenal um, phenomena to see right now because it it gives you a hope in your future when people are coming with ingenuine solutions for the problems that we have in our country. And to be able to help that, I have chosen to specialize in this. And one of the areas that I have worked on before coming here was to work with different startups and making them more sustainable to have a better impact on the environment and the planet that we live on. Uh And this is one of the, I would say, this is one of the missions of my life to leave this planet, this world in a better situation than that we got it in. And because uh, as I told you earlier in the start of my talk with you, conversation with you, it's not about riches. It's not about the money that I make. I want to have enough for my family to be able to address their needs and my needs. But beyond that, I just ache for one thing. I just work for one thing and that is to have an impact. I, I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, a life without impact for me is the worst life I can have. Yeah, so you're really, in another way, it's like it's like having a meaningful life, right? That's a more meaningful yeah. life when you're pursuing something that's much bigger than you. And uh, it, it it's there's something to be said about that because it really helps. Uh, I think you and I are alike in that way because same similar to me, I mean, I'm very competitive, but at the same time, I know what's important. So I'm a very much an essentialist in that sense. I don't look at things as if like, oh, I I have to have all these things. Like I could be very okay with just what, whatever it is, like whatever is, is, is fine. I don't need pluses. I appreciate the pluses and I can take them on more. But as of now, you know, I, I really would say that that really aligns with me well about having a higher purpose and a higher meaning. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, Tell me from your perspective, something that I know can be used maybe for someone struggling with the contemplation around, I can't seem to get past, you know, these blocks. Will I ever make it kind of that consistent, you know, consistent loop of self-doubt, 
you know, help me, help me understand how that is for you and how you kind of would recommend a friend of yours to, you know, overcome that. Um, it is very natural, I think, to have those doubts. Yes. Everyone has them. Believe me, like, um, I have not met a person in my life who doesn't have doubts about themselves. Even at this stage, I'm so uncertain what would become of me like tomorrow because everything has been disrupted by the pandemic. Of course. Um, I, I don't know when I return to my country, whether there will be a job or a role for me or not, whether the ideas that I have, the startup that I'm creating, would it be there? Um, would people love it? Would, would I be able to make the impact that I want to? Yes. So these are natural questions, but what has helped me in the past and what also helps me right now is taking one step at a time. I just, whenever things are uncertain for me, whenever yes. I think, that um, I'm losing hope. So I just tell myself, okay, just take this step and then we'll see. Just take this step and then we'll see. Keep it simple. Yeah. You know, something beautiful to say about that is you're only asked in life to manage the moment that you're in. Everything else yeah. is outside of that, right? Everything else is like a what if, what if, you know, because it happens to me every day when I wake up in the morning is there's this, this soup of thoughts and emotions and everything running through from the night. I want to take another quick moment to thank our sponsors, Podcast Backdrops. If you do any kind of video content or pictures online or you're doing any sort of selling over Zoom calls, you really need to check them out because it will make you look professional from the get-go. Having your brand, your logo, and what you're all about behind you, hiding all your clutter, makes you look so much more professional when you put yourself out there on the internet. So check out Podcast Backdrops if you want to level up your game. And you wake up and you're like, what? that could happen this could happen you're like yeah but none of that's here now man let's get let's just deal with this one right here and then we'll move on to the next one and on to the next one and then i think one of the recent things i've 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 been reminding myself consistently of is uh you have to have some sort of a practice for yourself to do every day because then if times you don't feel like it you know like for you said for running and walking for me it's also like exercising riding my bike doing my my morning meditation which helps me just sit still a little bit more and check in with myself and it's uh, it's nothing about growth in that really it's more of just a, an act to do and then if i go too many days without either of these activities i can see that i start to feel a little different than i would you know maybe more doubtful more sort of let's say we all play this character, right? We had our, our identity that we have and you can kind of be misaligned at times or not feel yourself. People say, right? Like, I don't feel like myself anymore. I feel very uncertain about myself and what I'm doing. You know, maybe sometimes our story doesn't make sense. It's like, well, what am I really, am I trying to do this or that? How do you keep yourself back? And, and, you know, again, it's, kind of the same question I guess I've asked before, but it's yeah. very important because I do think that this is something that I see myself and others go through a lot. So like <laughs> when you're trying to juggle through your own startups and also your studies, yes. what happens is you, you get sometimes bombarded with a number of tasks that you're supposed to do. Right. So there are times that I am so overwhelmed with the tasks that I almost shut down. You know, that time when yeah. your system gets overloaded with tasks and it yeah. decides to just shut down. Thread overload. That happens yeah. with, yeah. And so I just get overloaded and, and seem to shut down. But the very next moment, my recovery starts. And how that recovery starts is that, again, I just start taking one step at a time. I, I see all the tasks and I see, okay, there are a hundred tasks that I have to do, but in this moment, I can just do one. Right. So let's start at the most urgent and perhaps the, the simplest one that I can take care of because you have to build that momentum up. So yep. for me, that trick is I pick the simplest one that can create a momentum for me, create a good feeling for me yep. and get me going. So if you, for, for some, it is the exact opposite. They like to take the toughest one. Yeah. I am not of that. Cause if you ask me to do the toughest thing first, I'm going to avoid it. 
as much as I can. <laughs> that that happens with me as yeah. well. So if I choose the toughest one or the longest one, what it does is it creates complications in your mind. It yep. frustrates you. And by the time you get done, you're like, I have already done this much, so I'm not yes. going to go on. But choosing the simplest task and the one that can like complete in like a five minute, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a, a small, simple task. Yeah. It creates that good feeling in you. Oh, um, look, I have done this. So yeah. let's do one more. For sure. And psychologically, this is, this is hundred percent. I agree. This works. And we do it to ourselves for all the things we enjoy because all yeah. it takes for you <laughs> is, you know, like, Oh, I want to take a little break. You watch a little video and now you're like, Oh, I want to watch another video. Uh, and another one. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, this how we tease ourselves into, into doing things we like. It's the yeah. same sort of tease we have to play with ourselves to do the things that we don't naturally, you know, sometimes you're like human being, you know, we want to sit down, man, and chill out. We're, we're actually, I think naturally supposed to spend a certain amount of time at rest. Yeah, like our our psychological system has gotten so advanced that I feel it's a natural progression that we need to spend more time sitting and sitting in with our with more clarity, let's say, rather than just this computational heavy system. That's that's partly like I think it's just everybody has their different you know levels uh, and layers in life, and I think for me right now that's the way I see it is that not trying to do 500 things because then I get overwhelmed, but then doing the things that I need to do and doing them consistently and then doing them better over time and negotiating the downtime with myself also, not just so I can keep going because then burn myself out. You know, that's, those are some of the things I learned from like being in, in somewhat trying to be a professional athlete, being a bodybuilder at the time, you put so much effort into your diet and your, your food and uh, your training, you only are competing with yourself because you don't feel yeah. like doing it half the time. You don't want to get up. You don't want to eat certain things because it doesn't taste that good or you're tired of it or your body hurts. And every day you're looking at yourself and you're trying to see these small changes to get ready to look a certain way. And you realize that you, you kind of decide your destiny in that sense. But then also there's things that you don't control. So there's a really amazing part of life there where you're in the flow, you see things happening and part of it is doing the dance with it. And then there's the other part where we feel that we can control some of it and we can create some patterns and places and do certain things and then things will return, you know, and, and like talk to me about that kind of that's talking behind the curtain of life, really. It's like talking deeper in the heart, like, you know, where you feel that you're in, in sync with everything, but you're also this... And then in that sense that you're like free flowing because you're not doing really anything. It's like, it's all happening in your life synergistically. Any, yeah. Anything to say about that? So what I understood from the like very initial part of my journey was that I have to understand myself better in order to do better. Yeah. If I understand my needs and my complexities in a, in a better way, then I would be able to address them and keep going for a longer time. So I started observing myself. Why do I get frustrated when I do? Mm. Why do? What makes me angry? What makes me lose my temper? What takes me off? So if you if you know better than uh, if you know yourself better than anyone else, then it goes a long way in making your journey easier. So for me, I know that. I am the happiest when I have a routine set and I'm following that routine and I'm doing all that I was supposed to do and not creating like a lot of lag for myself. If I get off the routine, it frustrates me. <laughs> if the tasks are building up, it frustrates me. If there is a lot to do that I haven't done, it frustrates me. And so I have to constantly keep myself in check because I know that these things will take away my mental well Peace of mind. Peace they'll, of mind. They'll chew, yeah. you, they'll chew you away. It's something to be said about that. And then there's also something to be discussed about in any moment in time, you have your breath to come back to. And, mm -hmm. you, and you have your breath to see that 
I don't have to be thinking all the time if I just if I'm breathing. When you're truly with your breathing, you know, in the moment of the inhale and the exhale, you can't really think. It's just a very mm-hmm. beautiful operation if you really go into it, especially with the meditation things like this. And just really following your breath, you can see that, okay, anytime when I get frustrated, I've seen that there's also there's deeper space within us, which we call consciousness, right? But, but experientially knowing that, not just in a you know, literary context, like what does it experientially mean to you? It's like this silent space that's within you that you can mm-hmm. feel. And that's where your peace and your love and everything is from there only. And so whenever we are in some sort of a, a whirlpool, I think the way I see it is there's certain things that we are super attached to. And then when they come up in our thoughts, they, they bring a lot more weight of belief with them. Mm-hmm. And we tend to like gravitate towards them. But then there's these others that you over time kind of see and, and you, you get better at identifying them and kind of like, you know, like not really interacting with them. Like they just come and they go for you. But others mm-hmm. will come and they stay. So for mm-hmm. you at this point in life, what would you say is, uh, is something that's a little harder or still a bit of a challenge to, to try to, you know, overcome in that sense? Or would you say that everything's sort of balanced out at this stage? No, it, it is not balanced. There are things that I that stay in my mind longer than I would like them to. Oh, we all. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, there was this one incident where I was... I, I wanted to take an initiative and the person on the other end chose to mock me mm. uh, for that initiative. And it was, I, I just wanted to let that go. And I, I, I wanted to think that, oh, it's nothing. It just happened. It's okay. But for some reason, it shook me so much. And I got stuck with that thing so much that normally I'm a very confident person in the class or in the interactions or the discussions. I, I just say my mind. Yes. It is. But it shook me to a level where I would just hold myself back, not express myself. And I would be making a conscious effort not to participate because I wanted to prevent myself from being mocked. Mm. So that can happen. And that's all right. Uh, It sometimes happens. It shakes you where you expect it the least. But I think what happens uh, or what helps you is that you dig deep in yourself, find out or try to explore why it is bothering you so much. There might be a sensitivity from your past that it has struck or there can be a memory, uh, an unpleasant memory that it has recalled to your mind or some, some sort of situation that is going on because Nothing should stay in your mind that much. If it is bothering you that much, it, there is something deeper. Something to be explored, for sure. It's not just there yeah. to be ignored. It's not completely random either. I completely agree with that. And if it lingers, the longer it lingers, the more time it needs to be looked at, for sure. Yeah. And as you said that what you need probably is more time with you. Just breathe. Remember to breathe because... Yeah. It just calms you down um, when you are in control of your breath. Whenever I've had a a very severe style meltdown, I think the only thing that has comforted me is knowing that I'm very grateful that I still have this breath because if you really look at things being completely out of your control, your breath is not really in your control. You exhale. Yeah. And you don't really (laughs) control if it comes back. You don't generate it. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so if you look at it from really that depth, it's a... it's fascinating. That's why each breath is. So it's life. When I'm trying to take back control of my life, how I start is thinking. Otherwise, I start think, uh, noticing my breath going haywire because normally mm. when we are frustrated or when we are really puzzled or confused, yeah. we are breathing fast um, and our heart is beating really fast. So, what I start to take control back is. I start to slow down my breathing and I'm thinking, oh, okay, let's start to take back control with my breath. Let's slow it down. And that slows down my heartbeat. And then I have 
develop that sense that okay i'm getting to control the life back again right now things are getting back into my control and from there on i can build into my life so these are small things that you have to test yourself with it might work with me with me and not with you so sure, everyone sure. has to, uh, yeah everyone has to explore their own options it just has to make sense to you and not anyone else that's a beautiful way to put it because it is really, it's a very <laughs> personal thing it's your own inner experience. So who else is going to know that better than yourself? It's not going to be someone yeah. on the outside for sure. So let's get into a little bit about this renewable project or, or your startup that you have now. Tell me a little bit about this and what you hope to achieve with it. Okay. So the startup is called Ecolife. And what I'm trying to create in simplistic words is an Amazon for sustainable products. Got it. So you see that there are a lot of portals online or um, sell you <laughs> yeah they sell you things that are absolutely destroying our this world. is what we've come to we've come to advertise to change behavior to buy and sell consumer products on the internet we really didn't consume uh, believe that that would be the only reason where we use it but that's one of the biggest reasons right and yeah. it's about time we start we're still in the early stages so i'm happy to hear that you're doing something about it now please tell me more so one of the ways I thought I could help with that is creating an alternative space where we can buy products that are not detrimental to our environment, that Beautiful. do not hurt our planet. And also through that, by creating a wider audience, uh, because when there is demand, people always come in to create those products. So I want to create that demand so that more and more people start manufacturing and making things that are more sustainable towards the planet. So in a way, it is helping both the seller side and the uh, manufacturing side. Yeah. So sustainable manufacturing and sustainable buying, that is what I'm trying to pro uh, produce uh, through my startup. It's in the early stages right now. We already have tested um, the concept with and validated it with different customers. We are working on the website design right now. Wow, beautiful. And what kind of products yeah. have you finalized so far? What do we got? What, is, what are some recyclable, renewable? These are everyday products that you use in your home so if you look around and what is amazing is that even if you look around in just your washroom or, or your toilet yeah you would you would be surrounded by products that are filled with plastic and unsustainable things mm -hmm. so our basic vision was to gently just start with the things that you have in your home from your toothbrush to your soap to your shampoo to your crockery, yeah, everything. And then just see how we can have more sustainable alternatives. So for example, your brush, it has a lot of um, plastics in it. And when you use it, like in three months, you have to replace it. It is supposed to be thrown away. So what happens to it then? <laughs> sure, sure. We don't <laughs> think about up, those things. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So, and that adds up to like billions of toothbrushes every year being thrown out in the dustbin. Right. And then they, years and years, centuries to like break down. So let me, for my clarification, are you trying to do a bit of both at the same time, like create the platform where renewable products would be sold and then also source renewable products and services and then connect those two? Is that both yeah. like a simultaneous mission? Yeah. So wow. I love it. People started in my home country to make more renewable toothbrushes through bamboo oh, wow. brush. And yeah, so they are made of wood and they are decomposable and they are not that much of a burden on, on the nature. So what, what, what I wanted to give through this example is that there are ways in which, and, and there is no perfect way to be honest right now, we are just testing and, and trying to become better in the process. But obviously, it, this journey has to start somewhere. And this is one of the points that we have created. We want to make it big so that there is a lot of demand so that serious manufacturers step in and right. take that role 
of sustainable manufacturing. It could also become somewhat like a bidding system where people could bid for creating a better version of a specific product. You know, you could be the industry leader and also bringing awareness to the types of products that we use that are terrible for our environment. And you are trying to shed light on that, you know, like the toothbrush example is amazing. Like I use an electronic toothbrush, but even then that stem is plastic. It still uses bristles that I think are plastic or whatever it is, right? Like many things like this that we don't think about. It's just the, it's just the problem that we think would be just, oh, it's not that big of an issue. But then again, it comes down to like, you know, we were talking earlier about you only have the present moment to deal with, but we forget that some of these things are going to live beyond the present moment. Yes. So it's like, there's a juxtaposition there. So it's a a dual perspective. You have to see the immediate, but then also the bigger scale, like your children and their children and all that. And the bigger picture of how many more people are living on this planet than 20, 30 years ago. Absolutely. That is what I wanted to add. Like when we are using a product on a personal level, we just look at it as a personal product. So it's like, okay, this is just one one. shopping bag. Yeah. (laughs) This is only one toothbrush. This is only one shopping bag, polythene bag. But what we forget is that, first of all, we are using so many of these polythene bags or these disposable Every week, uh, every month. Containers, yeah. And then multiply it with 7 billion people around the world. And, and you can see how big of a context it makes. Yeah. So, um, for example, just one number that I randomly remember from hearing in a conference, there are 72 billion polythene bags that end up in sewers just in Pakistan every year. Wow. 72 billion. That is just one number from one it's country. It's unimaginable. It's insane. And imagine how that hurts the wildlife. You know, one thing someone at home could think about is, at least, you know, you're in Australia, I'm here in San Diego, California. I hear trash trucks like four or five times a week going through Mm -hmm. behind our house and stuff, right? Picking up trash and and it drives me nuts because I'll be on meetings and stuff and I'll go, oh my God, what is this? There's so much noise. But you go, you're like, you know how much, like, Lack of better, how much shit we're throwing away. That's why they keep filling up so often and why they have to keep picking it up. That's just insane. Like you go, and they end up all in landfills. So, a second startup that I'm working, um, I'm currently working on a team with developing different partnerships that we need for that startup here in Australia is that we have identified this need that a lot of furniture here in Australia in Sydney it ends up on uh, in the landfills just because people have bought the new furniture. Yeah. And that furniture, old furniture, is not that bad. It's not unusable. It's still usable, but it's just that people have bought new furniture because they liked it better. So what we have tried to do is that we are developing partnerships with different uh, councils here, yeah. which are responsible for disposing their furniture, which is which has outlived its life. And we are trying to create a system where we can take that furniture off the landfills and make them add some value to it and sell them back to different homes so that um, there are a lot of international students here in Australia who want to buy cheap furniture, uh, affordable furniture. There are people who want artistic furniture and we are willing to add value to it and and sell it for uh, as an art piece or something so we are looking at different ways that we can add value to that furniture which ends up normally in the landfills but we are committed to not let that happen and take a lot of load from the planet again that's such a beautiful mission and like we were talking about earlier it's uh, it's uh, it's a pursuit really a lifelong pursuit to do something that lives beyond us, right? And and at least in our conversation, that's the theme here, where it's that's what gives you that that persistence, that resiliency to keep moving forward because it's not just a one-day failure thing. Like, okay, okay, great. In the short term, you're having some bad days. It sucks yeah. at times. And yeah, you should accept those days and you know, also find a way to contrast and have some moments of uplifting moments in those days. If in any way possible, simply a smile can do it, a good conversation can do it, right? And then also seeing they're getting back on it. And I think that's one thing that our generation, at least, you know, I can speak for people that are in their 20s and 30s right now, early 20s and, or uh, early 30s and late 20s, just, or even just the younger generation right now, it just seems to me because of our fast paced life, 
we're already on to the next thing. Our attention span is slowing down even more and more. We keep moving on to the next thing because we're just constantly sifting through information constantly, right? And that's creating this, this perception that everything just keeps moving forward like this, right? There's always something brand new to look forward to. You can just kind of put the things behind you and move forward. But that's also creating the sense of anxiety in people about like, well, what is my life about, right? It's just, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing the right thing? And it's like, pick something that is meaningful and bigger than you so that it makes that question a bit more digestible in a day-to-day context. Because how else are you going to move forward with pursuing the same question every day? I guess one of the beautiful quotes that I read around this was like, you know, you could accomplish something and I've experienced this in my life. You could have worked very hard to get there. And you get there and then you don't appreciate it enough. And it seems like now what? That question has a bigger weight than the accomplishment that you've been striving for for maybe months and years. But that now what question has always been there. It's there every day for you. You could have had the best day ever, but then the next day the sun rises and now what? You know what I mean? <laughs> now what? So to wrap this beautiful conversation up, I would love to ask, what is it that you feel is this life and this existence that we're in right now about? What, do you, what is in your experience is this all about and how do you want to be remembered with it? You shared a beautiful quote with me and I would like to share a beautiful quote I heard on television. He was a natural conservatist and conservationist and he said this that this planet we we are not going to inherit it to the next uh, next generation rather we are borrowing it from the next generation mm, oh, so deep love it so yeah so my life um, although i just came across this quote now but i have tried to live in a way where I like to think that this planet is not really ours. It is borrowed from the next generation and we have right. to return them in a, in a mint condition. So for me, life has always been something about a bigger mission than myself. It's not about my personal needs and because that's a very, very basic Sup- way of living. Superficial superficial way or basic way of living yes. like if you only want to fulfill your desires and your needs and your wants what is it that you are leaving behind as your legacy so for me um, it has always been about the legacy and um, one thing that i have always thought of uh, when i'm doing something when i'm starting to make a vision about the next five years or anything i always think of the legacy that i want to leave behind when i'm gone the way I want people to remember me or or know me for. And I don't want to exist in a way that when I pass away, nobody notices me (laughs) and and nobody feels that, oh, I was here and then I'm not. Yes. So it's even if you want to be a selfish person and look at your needs and, uh, and, and address your wants, just think of it that, what a favor you will be doing to yourself if you create something that is bigger than yourself and what you get known for when you are not there. Yes. So if you live life that way, I think it would be much more sustainable. It would be better for everyone in this planet. And that's just something that I live by. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking this time on your morning, Monday morning, to to share with me these uh, unforgettable moments for me, because it's very much touching to me. And I think a lot of people that hear this conversation are going to be moved by it, because it's something that I think we all go through our own struggle in life. But there's something that's common in all of us, and that's this everyday battle of overcoming what is here for us. And it, it's not something that we predict accurately and so i think the story that you've shared with us for your of your life and i'm so glad that you're you know here to speak of a speak to it 
with me in this in this platform now because I don't know how many people could hear this. Like you said, like the, my whole journey with this platform to create it is that hopefully somebody hears something and it gets them to think a little differently than maybe what they were before and and or just entertains them. But whatever it is, it's 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 fine with me, however they see it. But I want to put it out there because I really think that our our voices and what we speak about creates vibrations into this universe. And it's a very powerful feature of being human. And, uh, you know, we should, we should use it to spread, spread something good, you know, as much as we can. And I think if, if we can inspire only one person. Yes. And just give them the courage to be better and, and live the way that they want to. Well, I'll tell you what, you've already inspired me. Today. So <laughs> that checkbox is already done thing. because it really, <laughs> really sets me up. You know, I'm super excited and pumped up for the week now moving forward. You know, this has been quite, you know, you, right before we started for the listeners, if they don't know this, we were having some trouble with the studio setup, which we usually never do. And uh, I'm so thankful that you had some openings in your schedule that you were able to accommodate the longer duration of this conversation. Otherwise, I would have really been upset with myself to have missed out on what we, <laughs> what we were able to get into because it was really very, you know, heartfelt and true and sincere. Just, this is what, you know, this is what our life is about. It's about finding that deeper, deeper space within us. It's not about the, just the surface buying things and, and having all these nice things because those things don't give you depth. They, they don't take, you don't take those with you. <laughs> you know, when you sleep at night, those things don't matter. When your eyes are closed, those things don't matter. You know, yeah. your peace of mind and the space where your peace and love comes from matter. And I think all of us should take more time with, with those. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And I'm really happy that I got to spend this time with you and share this conversation. And this was your first podcast. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, this is my first podcast. What do you, what, what, anything you want to say about it before we sign off? Like, what did you experience? How, how do you think it went? Anything you want to say? It, it was just a conversation, and I'm so glad that this happened because um, through conversations, we can really find a deeper meaning. And, 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 and as you said, this is the purpose that you want this podcast yeah. to have. So I think it is perfect in that way. Well, we'd love to have you back and continue with uh, the journey because I think you have a very inspiring and uh, motivating mission, which all of us should, to a degree, get behind because, you know, like you said, we're, we're taking from the next generation and we all want to find a way to, to put something good there. So again, thank you yeah. so much. I'd love to be back. Thank you, Abhinav. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. Take care now. <laughs> thank you for checking out the show. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to hear from you. If you want to give me any feedback or want to get in touch, know someone that I should put on the show, reach out to me on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, wherever you are online, you bet you can find me there. Just search for The Real Abinov. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.